Mavs up big at the half. We'll have some reaction to that when the game goes final. Which this game's taking a long time because it's such a blowout. A lot of scoring going on. Um, we'll have off the beaten path coming up. A lot of good stuff still to come. But right now, as we roll into the 9 o'clock hour, we welcome in our Browns insider, courtesy of Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store, Daryl Ryder, joining us on the phone. Daryl, what's going on, man? How's your first week without Browns football going? Um, It's busy. <laughs> Unfortunately, busy. Is busy from a work sense or busy from... Yeah, yeah they're firing a, people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they are keeping you on your toes with that. They're replacing people. <laughs> Can we get a quiet off season? Just one time, please. Jeez, is that so much to ask for? Stop firing people. Daryl, how should we read into those moves from today? My belief, and I talked about it earlier in the show, was that just this mostly has a lot to do with, I think, Deshaun Watson and just making sure that he's got the right people in place to design an offense for him that's going to really tap into what he does, but also around him and the way that they do things and the philosophies that they maybe have. Uh, there ain't no mostly about it. It is about Deshaun Watson. Like, they got $230 million invested in a guy that hadn't done much for them yet. Yeah. And part of that is because he was suspended. The other part of it was because he got hurt. But when he when he was healthy and playing, he wasn't doing a lot. Not, at least not at the level we saw Joe Flacco doing it. Right. Like, that's the alarm bells that go off for me. So, yeah, I mean, um, look, I think Alex Van Pelt did a, did a nice job for a guy that really wasn't empowered to do a whole lot. Um, I, I think that he, he did a good job. He was a good soldier. He, uh, you know, uh, towed the, the, the company line, dealt with a ton of quarterbacks uh, since 2020, nine starting quarterbacks, five of them this year alone. Um, but – it, there is, I think, something to be said for shaking the tree a little bit here. Um, the run game did not go well this year, even though they lost Nick Chubb. That's a pretty big reason why it didn't go very well. Yeah. But, you know, you, you could argue that Jerome Ford maybe uh, not as productive as uh, they thought he uh, might be. He averaged four yards a carry. Kareem Hunt, well, a yard fewer at 3.0 yards per carry during the regular season, even though you did get 18 touchdowns out of your running backs, though, uh, which uh, far exceeded anything the wide receiver room has put out, which that, to me, is the great mystery, how the receivers coaches survive. I should re receivers <laughs> coaches have survived um, to this point. I thought if any changes would be, they'd be the first out the door, but they apparently survive another day for whatever reason. Um, you know, T.C. McCartney is a little bit of a surprise. I mean, look at David Njoku's development. The kid developed into a pro bowler, but not going to bring that guy back. So, yeah, I think all of this has to do with, uh, you know, trying to uh, reshape this offense for Deshaun Watson because, look, if if this thing doesn't float in 2024 with Deshaun, this franchise might be up the creek without a paddle. So they have to invest yeah. uh, all the resources they can to making sure that number four is as successful as possible. Is there any reason to believe that the, these decisions aren't mostly made with by Kevin Stefanski? I know there's always collaboration. He, he hints at that 
But is there any reason to think that this is coming from anywhere higher up? Because that, that was a topic of conversation today. I don't subscribe to that. I think a lot of this is Kevin Stefanski, especially if he was entrusted last offseason to do similar things and, and shake up the coaching staff. Um, but is there any reason to believe otherwise, I guess? Well, uh, no. And, and the reason I say that is, is what's there to hold over Kevin Stefanski's head? They made the playoffs with five quarterbacks this year. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? They won 11 games. And this is why I'm asking you, because what, I, I kind of wanted what, to spell what, that. What? What did anyone in that building think was going to happen other than one gigantic car crash, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, I do feel like this is driven by Kevin Stefanski and his desire to, to make sure that this thing gets to the level that, that they, you know, want, want to get at. And, um, you know, look what he did last offseason, right? He let go of Joe Woods, replaced him with Jim Schwartz. That was a rousing success, right? Uh, and then with Mike Prefer, he he was going to bring Prefer back if he couldn't upgrade in his mind, right? And then he sees, oh, well, uh, Bubba Ventrone might be available to us. Let's try and get him. And you know, they ended up making that change. And I think it's fair to say that that uh, has worked out uh, to the benefit. Here's the other thing I think that people have to understand, too, as far as like why now, why so quick, whatever. They have to move quick. Yeah. You have other teams that have yet to hire coaches. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys announced tonight by some miracle of God, Jerry Jones all of a sudden has restraint. Who needs the greatest coach of all time when you got Mike McCarthy, right? <laughs> I, I, I thought for sure he was going to try and hire Bill Belichick, but uh, I don't too. know that Jerry Jones and Bill's egos could fit in the same room. <laughs> and if there's one person that should be listened to between them, it ain't Jerry Jones, and I know no. he owns the team. Um, but – you know, uh, now now's the time you got to do this stuff to to get the guys that you want because you have all these openings around the league that have yet to be filled with head coaches, and then once they do get filled, those head coaches are bringing staff with them. So uh, this is actually, from a timing perspective, very smart on Stefanski's part to get this in motion here and make the changes and adjustments to the coaching staff he wants because again, you know. Uh, what I'm interested in is, is, is this coordinator going to be actually empowered this time? Yeah. You know, or is he just going to do all the grunt work for you? Um, You know, that's what I'm interested in. You actually going to bring someone in that's going to call plays uh, or not? Uh, I don't think so. I can't see Kevin Stefanski giving up play calling duties, but again, I think that all this is about, Hey, we've had, we've had the same voice. Uh, for four years, and that got us to a certain level, right? Now let's let let's see if we bring in a fresh perspective, and and if that can take us to an even higher level. Um, and 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 I think that's what it's about. And again, it's somewhat of a race against time because you're competing against all these other uh, future coaching staffs, if you will, that have yet to be assembled. Talk with our Browns insider, Daryl Ryder. You mentioned the play calling aspect of this. Is that something you think that'll make it harder to fill with the maybe a, a, a bigger name that could be out there that's an offensive mind? Because, yeah, you're right. Like uh, These guys are looking around. Their next view, if you're trying to be an offensive coordinator, likely is, oh, I want to get that head coaching job at some right. point. And we saw what happened with Eric Bieniemy and the Chiefs, right? It took him a long, long time. He kind of had to get out from underneath Andy Reid to prove himself. Yeah. So how much more difficult does it make it to find this next offensive coordinator with that 
idea in mind that Kevin Stefanski probably won't give up play calling. Yeah, I don't know if it makes it more diff. Well, yeah, it, it will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, look, and, and that's okay. Like, you know, Kevin Stefanski's done well calling plays, and and the 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 results speak for themselves. And as the boss, which he is, right? He's the boss uh, of the coaching staff. It it's under his purview to delegate how he. Uh, sees fit so he you know will bring somebody in that is on board with how he wants to go about doing things and there's nothing wrong with that you don't bring in people that are going to work against Mm -hmm. what you what you're trying to do my god we we, we've had we've watched two decades of that out there in Berea with the Browns right where yeah the right hand doesn't care what the left hand's doing because they don't like what the left hand's doing or you know they want to fight what the left hand's doing and then you know, throw the left hand under the bus because things aren't going right, right? I mean, you know, so and you don't have any of that under Stefanski. It, it's it's yeah. been to his credit, to Andrew Berry's credit, right? The three ring circus has left town, and 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 they they are all kind of rowing the boat in the same direction here. Um, and, and so he's going to be looking for somebody who's willing to jump in the boat and you know keep it all rowing in the same direction and again that's that is well within his uh his right and his purview to do that Daryl, we've talked a lot about culture with this team i mean hell i mean they've talked about culture a lot we we were that we were both there on sunday for getaway day and there was tons of talk about how they can keep the culture kind of going through the off season and how they'll kind of run it back do you worry at all about these moves disrupting any of that because we know when it comes to culture relationships matter and some of the reporting from Josine Anderson was that there were some players who maybe weren't as happy with some of the moves. So how much do you worry about that being an issue moving forward with, with guys they're getting rid of here in the coaching staff and the culture? A uh, long time between now and April. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And w- once the guys get back under the same roof and start the process of the, the off-season program and whatever new tricks and tweaks have been made to the playbook or whatever, um, you know, they're going to be focused on that, and Kevin Stefanski will be focused on uh, trying to continue or recreate the culture that he was able to establish with his football team. But look, it, it's a concern for me because it's something I, I I've never seen out there before. I'm just keeping it real, like it, it's it's always been a dumpster fire out there uh, until Stefanski and Barry arrived, and this year in year four of Stefanski and Barry. You know, it, it's kind of hard to judge 2020 and 2021 because of the, because of COVID and and some of the the restrictions that were still in place and things like that. Um, but to Stefanski's credit, he has evolved. Like he he sensed last year, and I mean in, during the 2022 season, he sensed there was a culture problem. Right? They didn't have a talent issue, but they still it still wasn't moving the way it needed to move. Right? And he figured out we got a culture problem, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, those guys spend more time pointing each other and yelling and screaming, it's your fault, not my fault, at each other than they are out there making the plays that they're supposed to be making. So what's he do? Out goes Joe Woods. In comes Jim Schwartz, right? And a couple of assistants go, and a couple of new assistants come in, and, you know, they go – take this trip to the Greenbrier to start camp. They spend a week in Philadelphia, you know, out in Los Angeles. We heard the story about, you know, Joe Flacco out there and him hanging out with them out late when they expected the old man to be 
chilling in his hotel room trying to memorize a playbook, right? <laughs> so I, I, that's not easy to create. And that is, I guess, the biggest disappointment with how everything went down in Houston is now all that work and energy expended to get to where they got, it just evaporated, yeah. right? And, and so now they got to wipe the slate clean and they got to start it all over again from scratch, so to speak. So, um, yeah, if they can carry that culture that they built in that locker room, if they can carry that forward this year, they're going to be fine. I, I have no doubt that they'll be fine. But every year is its own independent thing here. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not a believer in momentum in football. Each week is a, a season in of itself. One week the Browns get their doors blown off and, the, you know, everything looks like it's going south. The next week they go out and they dominate, right? And you're like, okay, they're Super Bowl contenders. It, it's just – it's. That's just the, the nature of the National Football League, and I certainly don't believe that momentum carries from one season to the next season. So that's going to be a tough task for Stefanski to, to recreate what they had in that locker room this past season because, boy, it was something special. Just a couple more minutes with our Browns insider, Daryl Ryder. Follow him on X at RyderWrongFan. Uh, Daryl is going to come right out and ask this. What are the chances that Nick Chubb ends up being a cap casualty for the Browns. It saves them over $11 million if they did it. Well, from a business standpoint, he probably should be. Um, and then they make sure he gets his injury protection payout and, and, and you know, take care of him that way. Um, but he's also the most popular guy in that locker room. He's one of, if not the most popular player, say for, well, Joe Flacco the last five weeks and, you know, Miles <laughs> Garrett, right? Yeah. Uh, on the team that's I do not envy Andrew Barry making that decision uh, I, I don't um, I, I can't give you a percentage they need cap space um, restructuring Deshaun's contract and kicking that can down the road one more year yeah okay they'll be fine this year but at some point the Deshaun Watson bill's going to come due and I don't know that the salary cap rise if you will is going to be enough to take that yeah. you know take that cap hit when when that bill comes due what you'd really like to see happen is not a restructure but an extension where it's clean and you really can kick the can down the road but there is nothing that we have seen from Deshaun Watson <laughs> that tells you that that is should be remotely considered no. at this point and that's what makes 2024 the pivotal year because that's going to tell us if this was a brilliant move made by Andrew Barry and in, in the Haslam's and in the organization, or if it is an unmitigated disaster and one of the worst trades in NFL history. And it's, you know, that I have no doubt Deshaun's going to come back ready to go. Like Kevin Stefanski talked about on Sunday. Um, but they quite frankly need him to play like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, plain and simple. Can't, Say it any, and I'm not picking on. That doesn't mean I'm hating on the guy. It doesn't mean I'm picking on the guy. That's just the reality. Yeah, he he needs to go out there and play like an NFL MVP candidate. He doesn't have to win the award, but you got to play at that level. That's what they need. They need him available for all 17 games. But the first two seasons he's been here, not been great. He's been great in spurts. Uh, the game in Baltimore where he was banged up, 13 or 13. They come back. They win that game, thirty-three, thirty-one. That was that is the Deshaun Watson we're looking for. But here's the reality: in 
Five games, Joe Flacco threw for 300 yards four times. In 12 games, Deshaun Watson's done that zero times. Not great. Right? (laughs) Not not great to hear that. And and I'm not saying that everything's numbers-based, but Joe Flacco played at a level that we were expecting to see Deshaun Watson, right? And and, and we've been trying to be fair, right? Is Kevin Stavansky, there was a weather game in there, there's somebody banged up, playing hurt, coming off the suspension last year, rusty, right? We have all these factors in there. Well, at what point can we be allowed to say, that's what we need from this dude? We need 300 a game, and we need a positive touchdown-to-interception ratio. At what point are we allowed to have that belief and expectation, right? Well, from my perspective, where I sit, 2024 is perfectly fair and acceptable. We ran out of time to ask you if Browns fans should be able to root for Baker Mayfield, Daryl. Yeah, go for it. You should. (laughs) Respect what he did here. He helped get this thing out of the ditch and on the tracks, right? Okay, it didn't work out. Didn't uh, get the uh, second contract here. You know, performance, maturity, health, all those things, right? But good for him. There's no reason. Like, I don't understand why you you have to hate on a guy just because he's not on your team anymore. I think you can respect what he did here and appreciate what he goes uh, elsewhere and does. And, uh, you know, I I don't know if he's going into Detroit and beating the Lions this this weekend, but I'm looking forward to watching it. He's Daryl Ryder, so well-spoken, really good stuff on Deshaun, really good stuff on Nick Chubb. You can follow him on X, at Fan, and, of course, read his work over at 92thefan.com. He's our Browns insider. Daryl, always grateful for the time, my friend. You have a great rest of your night. Do it again soon, bud. Sounds good. Appreciate you, Daryl. Good stuff. Daryl Ryder, as always, delivers. We got to break that down. He flat out said Nick Chubb should be a cap casualty if you're talking strictly business. Whew. Big stuff from Daryl. We'll react to that next. Keep it locked on 92 to the fan.